Hello there, and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Now, today's guest is a Galway man who has become best known perhaps as the founder and owner of the Supermax Group. It's a pleasure to welcome Pat McDonough. Pat, I presume these are, these are tough times for any business, but for a big business like yours, it's there must be a lot going on, a lot to worry about. Uh, well, first of all, Des, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, a difficult time, but look, uh, this time will pass as well and... Uh, We'll get, we'll get through it. Uh, but it is difficult at the moment because there's a lot of uncertainty out there. Uh, you don't know when the kind of uh, end game is. And I suppose until such time as there is a vaccine found for it, it will continue as such. But as I say, you have to adapt to the conditions that are there. And these are conditions, as I say, that, that haven't, uh, we've never experienced before. Um, so, so, yeah, but it's crucial to make difficult decisions at this stage in order to survive for the future, I suppose. And that's really what uh, companies generally have to do. And uh, as I say, you have to prepare for your kind of worst scenario and hope for the best. Mm. But uh, as I say, it's, it's, it's going to be a difficult few years. But look, as I say, as long as we have our health and as long as we get through it, uh, then, you know, it's the main thing, the, yeah. the, we will come out at the other end. Well. Are you, are you good now? I mean, you've been in business a long time. You've seen highs and lows before. Are you good at coping with pressure like this? Well, again, it's I suppose I'd be reasonably good, but uh, it's the uncertainty of the situation is what's your biggest challenge mm. because um, you can't make any plans kind of for the future because the game changes from day to day. Uh, you know, some businesses have been affected a lot more than others. Unfortunately, the tourism sector and I suppose the food business we're involved in uh, has been affected uh, extremely heavily. And uh, I don't see that coming back probably until really, really uh, middle of next year or maybe hopefully a bit earlier earlier than that. Again, it's all conditional on finding a a cure or finding a vaccine for the virus. And um, but as I say, you have to adapt to that situation and uh, uh, do whatever you have to do in in arranging uh, whatever you have to arrange. So whether that's, you know, um, layoffs, unfortunately, or wage cuts or whatever, uh, you have to do the make the tough decisions now in order to kind of safeguard the future. All right, well, let's go back and, and talk about happier times. I was telling my kids about that you were a teacher before and they were going, he was not. Now, I know you've talked about it before. But uh, you were always, it struck me, uh, I read interviews, you were always an entrepreneurial teacher. Yeah, well, I suppose, um, uh, you know, you, 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 you uh, I, I came from, I suppose, what you might call a civil service background. My mother was a teacher, my father was a member of the Garda Jacana, and uh, I have three uh, siblings, teachers, and uh, my other sister is a nurse. So, um, yeah, and we were kind of maybe guided into that role as we grew up. And uh, again, it's as my mother used to say at the time, it was a, a good government pensionable job. Yeah. And uh, coming from her her kind of background and her the time she grew up, uh, it was, uh, as I say, such. But um, 
uh, and, and I did enjoy the four or five years that I was teaching. But uh, as I say, I always wanted to do something else. And uh, I, um, I, 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 even while I was in college, I worked in different jobs. I, you know, worked in Butlins Holiday Camp. I worked in uh, uh, on a ship off America. I worked in Bournemouth. I worked with a local farmer. And each of those jobs kind of teaches you something. Yeah. Because uh, as my mother used to say, you know, you can learn something new every day. And when you're wise enough to, to live, you're old enough to die. So uh, she was always of the belief that, uh, you know, you learn something new every day and, and there's nothing truer. There's something new you can learn every day. And, and uh, uh, that's your constant learning yeah. and constant development. It's, it's as I say, it was uh, I, I did kind of always have the intention, I suppose, of, of trying to do something for myself. So the, the logical thing was to get trained for, for something at the time. Teaching was a two year program and uh, then you, you, you qualified and uh, you had something to fall back on if things didn't work out. Yeah, the food business almost came about by accident, did it? Uh, totally by accident. As I say, it's, it was I was teaching in a little place in, in Galway, Kilrikel, uh, where I was principal at the time now. Uh, that sounds very uh, <laughs> glamorous as it was at this stage or whatever, but there was only two teachers in the, in the school and the other teacher didn't want the principalship, <laughs> so, so it was easy enough. But as I say, um, it's, it's, uh, it, I had a great five years there and uh, then I used to work part-time because one of the good things about teaching is that you have pretty good time off and uh, time off in the evening at that stage as well. Um, that, you know, there wasn't maybe as much pressure at the time as there is now. But... Um, uh, it was national teaching, of course. So I was teaching, I think it was third, fourth, fifth and sixth classes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, you had a bit of time off so you could do other things. And, uh, you know, I, I, when I was in college, I used to do take photographs as well. And uh, one thing led to another. And I remember uh, we're down and I think it was in the Rosa Tralee. And uh, there was another friend of mine, a fellow called, Doc, he's a doctor now, obviously, mm-hmm. Dr. Tommy Moore. He's based out in Australia, actually, and his his son plays for or used to play for Australia, Stephen Moore. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, uh, he he used to take the photographs with us and used to go around the different festivals, etc., around the country. And and one thing leads to another, as I say. And we're talking to another guy who was on the same business uh, at the time, and he says pool tables are were, were a good thing to get into. And so bought a few pool tables and located <laughs> them here and there, and then got friendly with. Um, uh, other guys and uh, decided to open up a pool hall and uh, opened uh, or bought a premises in Benislow, uh formerly belonged to D.H. Burke and then uh, uh, looked for planning permission for to turn it into a pool hall but obviously the, the planners as is often the case hasn't the same kind of uh, ideas that I had so I got <laughs> turned down yeah. and um, so then I had to look and uh, go and tell the bank uh, that I had to change direction a bit and um, uh, so at the, to look and see what Benislow needed at the time. Yeah. This was, as I say, in Main Street, Benislow. And uh, Benislow needed, uh, I thought, uh, a fast food restaurant. And some of the international chains were beginning to move uh, into Dublin at the time. It was 1978. Uh, and um, uh, I thought it was a business that, that could sustain for the future because people needed to eat and not knowing an awful lot about it. And sometimes there's your you're a lot better not knowing what's ahead of you than, <laughs> than uh, because sometimes the fear factor can, yeah. can, can come into play and you're advised by everyone, oh, don't do that or don't do this because you're... So you're sometimes better off not knowing exactly yeah. what's ahead of you. But, uh, you know, we heard a chef from the local hotel, Hayden's Hotel at the time, and, and uh, uh, Michael Carroll, and he helped us to 
to do what or to, to, to he taught us basically whatever we needed to know on the on the food business and opened it up and as I say it was it was a very um a very limited budget and uh, the caretaker I had in the school uh uh Richie Barrett was not alone was he he was the plumber, he was the tiler, he was the carpenter and the day we opened he was down the back peeling potatoes and chicken <laughs> chips. So uh it was a very tight budget. And were you busy the first weekend? We were reasonably busy, yeah. We were reasonably busy, and uh, um, you know, we 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 were as busy as as, as we could cope with, I'd say, uh, because again, we were new to it, and it takes a takes a while to adjust and adapt to to what's what's there. And you know, again, as I say, we learned as we went along from all the different uh, aspects of it. And I remember we were buying potatoes from a local supplier at the time, and uh, it was a particularly harsh winter, and the the frost. Uh, was obviously uh, very, very, very heavy. And farmers didn't particularly want to open pits at the time because that's where the potatoes were stored. So, um, he, And he actually ran out of potatoes, so we must have been fairly busy. And um, he's, we went down to a place in Turlockmore where I had kind of known there was, there was supposed to be good potatoes. But anyway, I got directed to this farmer in Turlockmore, which is in North kind of Galway. Yeah. And uh, he sold me what I thought was were beautiful potatoes. They were kind of as big as turnips. Yeah. And um, we went back and cooked or peeled them up and washed them, peeled them, blanched them. Oh, my God, when you cooked them, actually, they were they would come around in a U-turn to meet you. <laughs> uh, so they were so soggy. But I learned afterwards what he had told us was a, was a potato called Aaron Banners, which is generally used for cattle f- feed. Oh. <laughs> and uh, when I didn't poison half Banners so that weekend. So we changed then to the, the, to the frozen chips after that because yeah. for, because uh, you had to kind of have uh, consistency of product. Yeah. And tell me, the Supermax name, I love how, how it got its name. Yeah. Well, again, like I went to the Carmel College in Morton. There's another story about that, I suppose. Um, the reason I was sent to the Carmel College Moat was I was in a day school uh, here in Galway, in, in near near Athenry uh, at the time, and the um, results necessitated serious action after the <laughs> the, the, the first year results. And uh, so uh, my brother and I, John, were sent off to the. Uh, he was older than me, and uh, we were sent off to the Carmelite College in Moat. And I suppose the reason I ended up in there was that I was going to say no other school had taken us, but anyway, the results were that bad. But anyway, we we know we started off there. I'm, I'm joking there. Uh, the uh, yeah, that was um, uh, interesting in the sense that it was obviously a boarding school, and um, uh, you know, football was the was the main sport there. Even though I I came from a hurling area, uh, football was the main sport. So I, I adapted to it fairly quickly, and I became fairly reasonably good at it. And uh, I was christened then the Supermac after I had a particularly good game against uh, uh, against the Jarlets of Tume at the time. And um, uh, at any rate, uh, yeah, that's how it came about. And of course, Supermac was was uh, uh, a player, Malcolm McDonald. Malcolm McDonald at Newcastle, and, yeah. Uh, Newcastle and yeah. Arsenal. And he was the... The other Supermac. Ronaldo of the time, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, he was a great player. It's a great story. Well, your first musical choice comes from your college days, Cher. Sure, yes. I remember actually when obviously you were going on teaching practice in, in Limerick and at, it was in the Mary Immaculate College uh, I was at the time and uh, when we went out on teaching practice the bus collected us in the morning and brought us to various schools around Limerick and I remember this uh, song by Cher 
Gypsies, Tranks, Tramps and Thieves uh, was being played on the buses, generally for, for whatever, mostly the number one at the time. Uh, and it was, uh, it brings back good memories because again, uh, the Mary Magdalene College at the time, I think at about 400 so or so odd students and uh, 350 of those were, were women and there was only about 50 guys. So it was uh, a very <laughs> enjoyable time. You were the Tramps and Thieves, no doubt. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. And Pat, you, so you had the one store and it was successful in Banlaslow. How brave and how quick were you about moving out and expanding? Yeah, well, um, at the time, I suppose, as, you know, you, you, I, I never really intended to kind of stick to, to one after the first couple of months. And um, I was still teaching at the time and my manager was uh, uh, was Father Kirby at the time. He's, he later became Bishop Kirby and... Uh, uh, chairman of Troker and obviously that's why our association with Troker continues. Um, so after about uh, probably four months into it, uh, yeah, uh, I, I figured, you know, we had to give it a full full effort. And um, I did that and uh, we, we uh, after about two years, I think, operating in Bellasso, moved to Gort. And... Um, Cork again was a small town in the west of Ireland, but uh, I felt it needed kind of, uh, and I suppose our unique selling point at the time we were we were selling pretty much fresh burgers, freshly cooked. Prior to that, most things used to be maybe microwaved or whatever, and uh, fresh, uh, freshly cooked chips as well. Uh, so, yeah, and it, it 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 worked out pretty well. And the fact that we had been established in Bendeslow, it was much easier to. Uh, to open in Gort and to kind of have a, a ready-made market for there because people used to travel a distance uh, to the shop in Benesau and when it opened in Gort, it was kind of an immediate success. But again, we had a bit of an issue getting planning there and had to open it as a shop first and then convert it when we got the planning. You must have so, been putting in a lot of hours though, Pat, were you? Yeah, the first year, I think, in business, I'll be honest with you, I think then one day off, that was Christmas Day and, um, you know, but that's business. You have to prepare to make a, uh, you have to prepare to make the sacrifice if if you want to succeed in it. Now maybe that was a, a bit extreme, but um, you you know there's there's there's, there's no easy way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the, whatever you put in, you take out at the end of the day. And you know again, if you hadn't got the money to uh, to employ people, which was the case at the time, then you had to to do a lot of it yourself. And uh, and that's a good thing because you you learn the business, you understand what it's about. You understand what, even in the current uh, climate, what what employees are going through, and uh, you know we we've we've built a great team around that, and sure. and and a lot of it is down to the understanding that you have and the connection you have with the business. And in today's market, you know, you have to leave from lead from the front. I don't expect people. I wouldn't ask people to do anything. I wouldn't do myself. So I don't mind whether that's you know cleaning toilets or cooking chips or cleaning the floors or whatever the case may be, you have to prepare to do what you're going to ask any other employee to. Okay. Uh, and that that's that's a given. And as I say, in today's market, you need to to, 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 to lead from the front. You need to be with them. Uh, sometimes you have to, to make decisions, as I say, that are, are tough decisions. Um, but I think once you have the respect of the of the team, everybody understands that. And, uh, you know, sometimes decisions might be hopefully 80% right sometimes they might be wrong but you have to make a decision anyway sure. as I say in the current climate this, this 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 is critical I think to the survival of a lot of businesses 
you know, if your decision is wrong, you can always change it, you know, whatever it is uh, later on, mm -hmm. uh, whenever you see this, 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 it's time to change. But you have to make the decision because uh, otherwise you, you kind of, you, you float along. We'll move to your second, your second musical choice, Pat, and it, it's how you met your wife, Una, I'm told. Oh, <laughs> she'll kill me for saying this, but uh, when we were opening, actually, the first uh, unit in Ballasloe, I, I used to go in in the evenings um, uh, after school and uh, I gave a lift uh, to this girl uh, from Capitagal uh, one evening and uh, she told me she was looking for a summer job and uh, I offered her one and little did she know at the time she was going to get a job for life. So, um, <laughs> but that's how it worked out at the end of the day. She proved to be a good employee. <laughs> and a good wife of my dad, but I read that quickly. <laughs> yeah. So, as I said, this was the song that I suppose um, was around at the time. It's, it's brown old girl and uh, obviously this is for my, my better half Una. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Pat, in, in growing the business to the huge level you did, I mean, how did you stand with McDonald's? I mean, you were taking on this big, massive international company. Yeah, well, look, uh, as I say, McDonald's are a big company. They're a great company and, uh, you know, they're the leaders in the field. Um, and uh, as I say, they the they have whatever it is, uh, 50,000 or whatever restaurants worldwide. Um, but as I say, sometimes bigger companies can kind of um, challenge smaller companies, etc. And, uh, you know, as I say, they're good competition because they 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 have the systems in place. They have their, you know, the, the, the standards in place and uh, everybody has to compete with that and emulate that or whatever. But I suppose the advantages we'd have uh, over them is that um, our decision making is pretty much local. Um, theirs is is maybe ba based in Chicago in the head office, mm -hmm. and um, it's it's uh, it's kind of adapting and and competing on the on the same ground. But you have to try and compete on on, on the same level playing field. So, um, but but as I say, that's that's competition. That's what it's all about. And uh, you know, it's 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 uh, challenging. But I suppose really. Um, what I, and I suppose I relate to the trademark dispute is what we were trying to do was to expand further afield and uh, we were getting blocked by trademark disputes etc and yeah. I felt this wasn't um, this wasn't fair so we you know even though 15 or 20 other companies had taken taken on um, the trademark dispute prior to us most of them kind of either pulled out because it's it's expensive it goes on a long time and uh, it's very time consuming. But actually we stuck with it and uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, when we realised there was, I think it was over 800 trademarks being held by uh, McDonald's at the time um, uh, that they weren't using yeah. and that were just preventing other companies and businesses from, from trading, then we, we, we went the whole hog. But um, yeah, it was Successfully, good, uh, yeah. Yes, successfully, and and you know it was it was uh, uh, we had a great team behind us. As I say, we had um, uh, three or four great advisors uh, with us, and uh, a, we got a good trademark lawyer in uh, in Dublin. And so, therefore, you know, uh, there's very little you can achieve if you have a good team with you. I know, but it was a massive thing to do. I mean, just the courage to take on because you you knew it was going to drag out and be long, and and you may not win it at the end. Yeah, but sometimes you have to to live by your convictions, and and uh, you know, as I say, you have to to uh, um, decide on your own ability and your own 
conscious in your own willpower, mm. etc. Uh, and do, do you do you you don't want to kind of uh, feel bad about yourself that you didn't do it and have regrets about it afterwards? You have yeah. to. So whether we won it or we lost it, we were going to fight it anyway. Yeah, well, and look, that has been the same right through business. And you know, it's one of the toughest parts of business in in, in this country is probably uh, so much red tape and so much kind of. Uh, uh, roadblocks that you meet in business and you know whether that's through planning insurance um, uh, and, and it, anything else you know the costs involved are, are increasing by the year but anyway that's that's you, you know that's part of it and as long as you enjoy it that's the main yeah. thing the day you stop enjoying it then it's time to move on yeah well it clearly doesn't wear you down all the bureaucracy no but it can uh, it doesn't wear you down but it can get you know you can Testing. you can kind of uh, get caught up in it and uh you know, it's 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 the, the biggest, uh, I suppose, difficulty and effect it has, it has on companies and businesses and on myself is the time time wasting that you you you've, you have to to spend dealing with issues that really don't affect the business or don't improve the business. You should be always constant improvement and constant growth is what you have to be always at in any business, whether it's personal or in your own life uh, personally or whether it is in business. You, you have to be constantly kind of improving and these distractions as I say can consume a lot of your time mm. you're you're a keen sports fan and and, and you, you you're involved in a lot of sports sponsorship yeah that's right from from I suppose from from kickoff and have played myself as I say a bit uh, at underage level and at, at a bit more at, at more so uh, club level um yeah I, I that's that's my pastime I enjoy sport and of any type uh, you know Maybe apart from cricket, but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a bit harsh on cricket. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't understand it, to be honest with you. So I don't, I don't understand the rules of the game. So, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, I enjoy sport of uh, you know uh, of any type, and you know, I, I mean, it's cricket is a very skillful game as well. So I'm not criticising. backtracking now, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't compare to hurling. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I mean, it is a great pastime and. Uh, it is a place to, to to enjoy yourself and to relax and you know, give out to the referee now and again <laughs> if you th- you think he's not doing a good job. But anyway, that's it. And and the Galway teams obviously you're very close to with sponsorships and and female and male teams. Yeah, we're we're sponsoring pretty much all the Galway teams at the, at at the minute. Uh, unfortunately, as I say, this year it doesn't seem as if the, there'll be any championships uh, because I, I can't see that you could play really in Crow Park behind closed doors uh, because the atmosphere wouldn't be there. You know, it'd be it would probably a different feel to it. But um, anyway, as I say, I hope there is, but uh, maybe, maybe, maybe later on in the year, something may happen. But, you know, it's, it's as I say, and I admire these guys and girls because they put in a huge amount of commitment at a personal level and a huge amount of self-sacrifice. And, uh, you know, uh, for, for very little reward at the end of the day. But as I say, you know, this the camaraderie is what they learn as they as they go. The team spirit, it's kind of the friends they make more than anything else, is probably what they enjoy from it. And because it is an amateur game, I think you know there's more self satisfaction from it than there is from maybe the professional side of things. Mm. So yeah, fantastic to 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 be able to sponsor them. And uh, you know, as I say, I I, I really commend and. Uh, uh, the, the effort they put in because it's second to none it's a professional sport but it's played in an amateur 
uh, on an amateur basis. Indeed. And, and as I say, and the timing is unfortunate because both the men's teams and women's teams in Galway were all shaping up as, as you know, all contending for all Ireland titles. But uh, maybe next year, who knows? Yeah, but unfortunately, you know, if, if the opportunity passes, it's sometimes hard to re-engage again with that. You know, but in Galway, um, we have great teams and we have great management teams as well uh, in, in, in all codes. And they had done a fantastic job and I would have been disappointed if we hadn't brought home some All-Ireland uh, this year. Yeah. But as I said, such is life and, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you have to, to, to deal with the, what, what's presented. And uh, as I say, they, I, I hope that there will, something will happen towards the end of the year. But look, uh, it's, it's, I, I, as I say, health of the nation is more important than anything else and the health and welfare of the players likewise. Indeed. Well, we're going to play out with... Um a song that maybe represents your team, sporting and business, Tina Turner and Simply the Best. May there be good times ahead for you, Pat. It's, it's, I know it's not easy running business and so many jobs, but it was lovely chatting with you and thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Des. Glad to be here. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.